More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to the first episode of Survivor Sanctuary in 2022, unless you're listening to the podcast 10 years from now, then I'm sorry about that. But otherwise, it is a brand new year, and I'm happy to be back here on Survivor Sanctuary. So I don't know about you, but 2021 was a crazy difficult year for me, for my family, for so many people, not just because of like COVID and all that craziness, but last January, I lost my brother who was very special and important to me. And then a few months after that, I lost my dog who was very special and important to me, had to put her to sleep. We had close family friends and acquaintances pass away from COVID-19 and from other things. And it just seemed like every time I turned around, like something tragic was happening in 2020. So it was a rough year. I had a lot of health problems throughout the year that culminated with me having surgery in November and then trying to recover from that. And it was just like, I was a mess. Life was a mess. It was just kind of crazy. And as we neared the end of the year, I didn't want to say what I said last year. At the end of 2020, I just remember thinking like everyone was so ready to get rid of that year because it was like the first year of the pandemic. Everybody was just ready to move on with their lives and be done with 2020. And I remember like laying down to go to sleep. And I was like, I remember like lowering myself onto the living room floor because the last like five months of my dog's life, she really struggled to walk and to get like back to the bedroom where she needed to be. So I ended up like putting a mattress down in the living room and sleeping next to her. And I just remember going to sleep before midnight on the final day of 2020 and thinking to myself, like, we're all so excited for this stupid year to be over. What if 2021 is even worse than 2020? And it wasn't like I was inviting that necessarily. It was just like, I just was wondering, like, we're so focused on getting this year gone. What if this year is not as bad as we think? And well, yeah, truer words were never spoken or truer thoughts were never thought because yeah, 2021 ended up just being a train wreck for not just me and my family, but for so many people. It was a crazy year and a lot of like loved ones just suffered in 2021. So I won't say I was excited to kick off 2022 because now I know that it doesn't really matter what year you're headed into necessarily. Like you never want to think that the worst has already happened because you never know. I'm not trying to be like pessimistic here. But I just, I feel like I have not any big feelings surrounding the fact that it's 2022. However, I do think it's important to kind of set some goals for a brand new year. And especially as survivors of sexual abuse, sometimes caring for ourselves is a bit of a challenge. And I know I'm not alone in that. It seems to be something that's a struggle for survivors of sexual abuse in general. Um, And I think that I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast in the past, where a lot of times we're made to feel as victims of sexual abuse, like 
we don't matter. Our, our bodies are just something to be used and discarded. We're not meant to be loved and cherished and cared for like human beings should be. And what that kind of communicates to our minds a lot of the time is that we're unworthy of taking care of ourselves. And I'm just going to be 100% like real on this episode. Maybe not 100% real. I'm not going to reveal all of my secrets deep and dark as they are. But I will say that um, self-care has been something that I have struggled with throughout the years. And I'm not positive the exact reason that it happens. But you know, there have been times when it's just like, I'm, I'm really good at taking care of other people, helping other people with the things that they need help with. But historically over my life, and I will say that it's gotten better since I went into counseling and started working through some of the problems, but it's just been a struggle. And especially in the past, a struggle to want to take care of myself and to feel like I deserve to take care of myself. And it's funny that I would get super excited about like taking care of someone else and just leaving my own needs by the wayside. And I think that some is something that can be typical of survivors as well. I will say that your mileage may vary because not every single survivor is the same way. I know that sometimes when people are victimized and they experience sexual abuse or some other kind of trauma, um, having a lot of control really helps them to be able to cope. And that coping mechanism might turn into being OCD about doing certain things like making sure you shower enough times a day and like making sure your house is super clean and everything is super taken care of. I know that trauma can look different in the lives of different people, but I will say that I've seen a lot of it in the survivor community that is just something we tend to struggle with. So I wanted to talk a little bit about self-care on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary, obviously because, well, it's a brand new year, and I think that it's important for us to have some goals that we can think about and that we can work toward, um, not just as human beings in general, but as survivors. And I don't mean resolutions because a resolution to me is something that you say, like, I'm going to do X, Y, Z every single day for the rest of my life. You know, in 2022, I won't eat a bite of sugar. I won't do this. I won't do that. And while that's all well and good, we typically end up messing up these like crazy resolutions that we've just decided, you know, we're going to white knuckle our way through and we discard them by the end of January. Sometimes even even faster than that. So instead of resolutions, I like to just think of goals that we can work toward. And I wanted to talk about some goals that we can work toward as survivors of sexual abuse, one of them being self-care. And that's really what I wanted to focus on today, self-care in the life of a survivor and why it can be a little bit tough for us. I don't think that the church helps us a lot with this. I guess if you look at some of the legalistic ways that I grew up, it was like, you know, women couldn't wear pants to church. You had to put on a dress. You know, you had to wear your nicest clothes to go to church. You know, Jesus wasn't going to accept you if you showed up in jeans, that kind of a thing. I mean, that was never like the overt message, but that's really what I got out of it. Like if I have to wear a dress to church, then God's obviously not accepting me if I don't. So some people could look at things like that and say, well, you know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you take care of it by not drinking and not smoking and not doing this and that and, you know, wearing your Sunday finest. And so you might think that that encourages self-care, but I really feel like the opposite is true for a lot of what I learned as I was growing up in the church. Again, your mileage may vary, but I think that for me, 
self-care was looked at as like, you know, that's selfish and you're not allowed to be selfish because you need to be laying down your life for other people. And in lowliness of mind, you need to esteem others as higher than yourself. And there was a huge emphasis on caring for others. And I will say, I think that's super important. And I think that, you know, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, it's going to be a big part of your life. Like we show love to other people. We care for other people, especially people who can't care for themselves. But I think that more of the message that I got was, if you focus on caring for yourself, you're just a selfish jerk. And it's just like this new age, like self-centered, egocentric way of living that's like humanistic and has nothing to do with the gospel. And so I want to push back on that idea just a little bit, because I think that if you were sexually abused within the church, especially if it was like a very legalistic, fundamentalist type of church, you're getting multiple messages. One of the messages is you're unworthy because your body was not honored by the person who sexually abused you. Your body was abused and it was mistreated and you weren't worth enough or valuable enough. And this is just the message it's giving you, by the way, it's not what's actually true, but that's the message that it kind of sends to our brains. Like I am unworthy. So we're getting those messages. And at the same time, we're getting messages that tell us you need to lay down your life for other people and not consider yourself. And I will say again, I think it's important that we lay down our lives for other people. I think that that's important when it comes to the sexual abuse of children. If you look at some of the people that we've talked about just in the last couple episodes of Survivor Sanctuary, but like seeing people in the church who are unwilling to lay down their lives for children, you know, they, they stand by perpetrators and they support perpetrators and they refuse to believe survivors because it's going to mess up their perfect lives that you know it's going to just mess them up. And if they believe a survivor, then they have to believe that this person who they thought was a great Christian and who has helped them live in this little like spiritual bubble for years, like they're going to have to admit that that person is not a good person. And then it makes them question everything in their lives. And a lot of people just aren't willing to go down that path. It is so much easier to not believe a survivor because then you can say, well, this person here is obviously just telling a lie because they need attention or they just are trying to ruin someone or they're just a troubled youth or whatever. Like it's so much easier to say that and keep all of your firmly held beliefs about life through these rose colored lenses that you're wearing in church than it is to say, oh dear, this person, like I totally fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, that they're this awesome believer, what does it say about my faith? And what does it say about God? And what does it say about the people who follow him, that someone could be so good at faking being a Christian, that I fell for it. And all the while, they are sexually abusing children. So in that sense, I think that Yes, it's super important that we lay down our lives for others, that we don't value our cozy comfort so much that we can't reach out to people in need, that we can't believe survivors, that we can't help the poor. So this is not like knocking helping others in any way. But I'll say this, that as a person who was treated as though you had no value, I think that often our default setting is other people have value. They're worth me helping. And they're worth me sacrificing what I really need and what I really want in life because I'm not as worthy as they are. And I think that there's a balance. It's kind of this tension that we hold as believers in Christ. Um, It's a tension that 
it's difficult because yes, Jesus gave the ultimate example of laying down his life for his friends and loving people does often require sacrifice. But I think that we miss the mark here. Um, the Bible doesn't say like, you know, hate yourself and love other people. Think of yourself as this disgusting worm and as other people of being amazing. It, it actually says to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I always kind of heard that as love your neighbor more than you love yourself. But that's not what scripture tells us. It tells us to love our neighbor as much as or the way that we love ourselves. And it might be like a subtle difference. But when you think about it, if you loved other people the way that you loved yourself, what would that love look like? And I think that a lot of times for survivors, and I know I'm speaking for myself, a lot of what it looks like is if I loved other people the way that I love myself, I would not be taking very good care of other people. I wouldn't be very nice to other people. I wouldn't be saying the kindest things to other people. Um, there would be a lot of you know negative self-talk, a lot of tearing down. There would be a lot of, well, you know, do I really need to take my vitamins today? There would be a lot of telling a person that they should say yes to a bunch of stuff that they just don't have the mental energy for or emotional energy for. And when you really look at it, like if I loved my neighbors as I love myself, would my neighbors feel loved or would they feel like they weren't as worthy as somebody else? And I know that for me, and I know I'm not alone in this, that it would it would look like that. Like it would look like I am unworthy. So I think that we have to be careful when it comes to like thinking of self-care in the way that like some old fashioned Baptist preacher might think of it. Like that's just selfish and bless God, you need to lay down your life and you're a worm and treat other people awesome and think not of yourselves. And it, it's just like, it's taken to this extreme. And so sometimes we feel guilty for taking care of ourselves. And I got to say, like taking care of yourself and loving yourself and self-care and self-love and all of that, like I feel like that's honoring who God created you as. And I feel like it's treating your body and your soul like you're a temple of the Holy Spirit and viewing yourself as having been created in the image of God, because that's something that we forget a lot too. And it's a lot of our theology is just like, it's super negative. It's you're lowly and you're worm-like and there's nothing good in you because you were born into sin. And we kind of forget the parts of the Bible where we're told that we're created in the image of God, that we bear his image and that we're his children. And that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus and like all this stuff that should make us feel pretty positive about ourselves, not to the point of arrogance, but just to the point of a security and the knowledge that we're loved and that we're cared for. Um, but so often we don't get that. And I know that for me growing up, it, there was a lot of like, oh, psychology is terrible and psychology is the devil. I dated a guy in college who you know, told my dad the first time that my dad met him that he was a psychology major. And my dad was just like, 
like, because he had been taught and it's taken years to try and help him unravel this. Like he had been taught for years that like psychology was just like this humanistic whatever and that we didn't need it and that it led people away from God. And it was all about like self, self, self. And, you know, I believed a lot of that too. It took me a long time to get into therapy. It took me a long time to be like, hey, it's okay if I need to go to a therapist and figure out why my life sucks, (laughs) you know, because all the scripture reading in the world hadn't changed my life that sucked. And I'm just being really candid and admitting that, but that's something that's hard for people. Like it's, it's hard for people when they've taught you your whole life that all you need is Jesus. And I'm not knocking that, you know, that for your salvation, all you need is Jesus. It's true. However, if you, you say that for everything that happens in your life, like, well, I've got a giant cavity, but all I need is Jesus. Then like your teeth are going to rot out of your head if you don't brush them. And like, well, all I need is Jesus. So I'm not going to worry about a job because I've got all I need. Then you're going to be living in a cardboard box alone with Jesus. Like you, like you have to use the brain that God gave you, I think. And Learn to see yourself as someone who was created in his image and a beloved child that he loves. You're not just like some sinful worm that is constantly making God angry and upset with you, which is another belief that I grew up with. Like there's so many layers to sexual abuse, but when you were sexually abused within the church, I think that it just adds obviously more layers because then everything is like called into question. And then we have all these like beliefs that we kind of have to unravel that maybe have been twisted or misused or misinterpreted and we've just been taught wrong. And I don't think that every person who teaches something wrong like or, or something from the Bible, they may be misunderstanding. I, I don't think that they do it with like this ill intent. I know that sometimes that can happen, like to try to entrap people and to groom them to be abused and then to get them to like, you know, do whatever the abuser says, like to scare them with scripture and stuff. And that does happen. But I think that a lot of people are just misguided. It's what they've been taught. And so they teach it to others. And then before you know it, we're this like entire group of people who like, we're supposed to have this joy unspeakable. And we're supposed to have this peace that surpasses all understanding. And we're supposed to have like, all of these great things that were promised in scripture, but instead, a lot of us are just like tied into knots. And suddenly, we don't know what it looks like to take care of ourselves. Like we don't know what self-care looks like. And for some of us, we might get some of it really, really right and then neglect a whole other part of it that we need. I know that sometimes when you think of self-care, you, you kind of think of like taking bubble baths and, you know, treating yourself to a massage or something. And I, I guess like self-care can include those things. For some people, it might look like hey, I should take a shower today. (laughs) Like, I'm just, I'm going to be real. When you fall into like depression and anxiety, and you're you're really struggling with your worth and your value as a human being, um, and, and you're dealing with just layers of trauma, and you're dealing with all of these like, mental health issues that you didn't ask for. Sometimes your self care might boil down to, hey, I need to get in the shower. I need to clean myself because I deserve for my body to be clean and for me to feel fresh and good and to give myself a clean slate today. It might look like, hey, all these people are asking me to go here, go there, do this, do that. And I don't want to let anybody down, but I am so overwhelmed that I'm ready to just lay down and scream and cry because I have no other solution. Like it might look like you starting to say no to people who are asking more of you than 
you really are able to give. And I say that as like a people pleaser that I tend to be a person who I don't want people to be upset with me. And so a lot of times I will say yes to things that I really just don't want to say yes to because I don't want to let people down, but I end up overextending myself and then just feeling like, Oh, I'm, I'm so miserable. I'm so stressed out. I just need some downtime. And so for me, it might look like saying no to some of the things that I'm asked to do, not because I don't like the people who are asking, not because I, you know, don't care about them, but just because I know myself and I know my limits. And I could list like a thousand things that could be considered self-care. I didn't really want to do that because I think that for each individual person, it's going to look a little bit different because you know, all of our needs are different. I mean, we have the same basic needs as human beings, but like all of our emotional and physical needs tend to be a, a little bit different depending on where we're at in life, what we're doing, what our personality type is. Like maybe that in order to be like refreshed and recharged, you need to be around people. And, you know, being a hermit hasn't served you well. And so you need to start saying yes to going out more. So like it's going to look a little bit different for every person. But whatever it looks like for you, I think it's important to sit down and figure it out because it's very easy to ignore ourselves and not even realize that that's what we're doing. It's really easy to like get super excited when somebody else has a problem that you can solve and you want to help them and, and, and like do whatever you can for them. And that's kind of me also like I'm a rescuer by nature, like just jump in and rescue. And again, I don't think it's bad to necessarily to help people who need to be rescued, but when you're doing it at the cost of your own self and your own mental health and your own emotional and spiritual well-being, then you really need to take a step back and say, Hey, like, am I taking care of the body that God gave me? Am I taking care of the heart and soul that God gave me? Is my brain doing okay? Let's do like a mental health check here and see where I'm at. And there's nothing wrong with that, despite what, you know, an angry, sweaty preacher person might have told you when you were a kid. Like, there's nothing wrong with you making sure that you are okay because you're important. God created you that way. And I think it's something that's important for us to remember. So I know that I always had this idea that once I was healed, and I put that in quotes because I'm not sure we ever get to this place of arrival. I think it's a process, but I always kind of viewed it this way. Once I'm a healed and whole person and I'm totally healed from all this junk, the sexual abuse and the trauma I experienced as a kid and my family dysfunction, once I'm fixed from all that, I'm suddenly going to feel super worthy of taking care of myself. I'm suddenly going to feel like it's just second nature for me to do the things I need to do to make sure that I'm okay. And I'm going to be this like healthy and motivated person and healing is just going to make me be like this. But the problem with that mindset for me is that there's always this like waiting around for yourself to arrive so that you can start to love yourself and take care of yourself. And well, I'm not totally there yet. So I need to wait a little bit longer. I don't know if this makes sense to you. Makes total sense in my mind. Kind of just thinking of this place of arrival and waiting, I think, to feel worthy so that you can then act like you're worthy. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. The feelings usually follow the action and not the other way around. So if you are waiting to feel 
like a worthy human being to take care of yourself, to focus on self-care and to make sure that you're functioning the way God intended for you to function. If you're waiting to feel like it, you might be waiting for the rest of your life because typically the feelings are not how it starts. It's not like I wake up one day and I feel super worthy of taking great care of myself and I manage my time well and I don't let people walk all over me and I don't say yes to things I don't want to do because I just feel super worthy. It's actually practicing those things that will lead you to feeling worthy. Does that make sense? It's like, say someone never gets to bed on time because they're constantly dealing with like phone calls or text messages from people who need help. And they're constantly trying to figure out other people's issues and problems. And they know like they need eight hours of sleep every single night in order to feel okay and to be able to function mentally the way that they need to. Maybe it's a person who knows I have to take like a one hour walk every single day because that's like the best like anti-anxiety pill that I could possibly take is getting that exercise in. And if I don't get it in, I'm going to be a mess. But then all these things come up and problems they have to deal with for other people. And suddenly, you know, you're pushing the walk and saying, well, I can do it tomorrow, or I can just take 15 minutes instead of the hour I know that I need to, or I can just go to bed at, you know, midnight or one o'clock in the morning, because I'm trying to get all this stuff done that everybody else needs. And before you know it, like you're pushing all that aside. If you wait to feel like you are worthy of treating yourself with exceptional care, you're going to be waiting forever because the feelings follow the action. So if you remember like one thing from this entire podcast, like that is the thing that I would encourage you to remember. You do not have to feel worthy to start worrying about self-care and I'm not talking about getting enough bubble baths in every week. If that's something that literally makes you feel like a brand new human and you need it to function well, great. But I'm talking about taking care of yourself to the point that you're not run down, you're not tired, you're not neglecting your own spiritual care and your own emotional well-being so that you can constantly be fixing things for everybody else or so that you can constantly be shoving your feelings down and and not thinking about yourself at all because to think about yourself makes you confront things that you're not maybe ready to confront or you're afraid to confront. Uh, Maybe for you it looks like scheduling that appointment with a therapist and you've been nervous about doing it and you don't feel like talking about your feelings because ugh, I don't want to cry and I don't want to feel like whatever but maybe for you it looks like you know what I need this as as self-care I know that for me to function at the level that God intended me for me to function and for me to thrive as a person created in his image I need to give myself time to go see a therapist I need to give myself the time to go to bed at 10 o'clock every single night or at nine o'clock every single night, because I know that that's what I need in order to function the way that God created me to function. It's the practice of self-care that will end up building inside you a belief that you are actually worthy of this self-care. It's not the other way around. Don't wait for the feelings because you typically have to build the practice that will lead to the feelings. Taking care of yourself and saying yes to yourself is going to help you build the belief that you deserve to care for yourself and love yourself. If you've ever like 
done affirmations. Maybe there's something, a mantra or something you like to say to yourself in the mirror. Um, I haven't done affirmations in a while. And honestly, I feel like I should get back to it because they really do help. And it's the same idea. Like you're building a belief in the things that you're saying rather than believing them first and being all on board hundred percent and feeling that way. And then saying it because that's how you feel. Because if we waited again, we'd never give ourselves positive affirmations. If we waited to feel positive, I mean, there may be little parts of life where we're like, oh, I'm awesome. And then like 10 minutes later, you know, you're in the depths of despair again. Like it really is kind of like a fake it till you make it type of a thing. Reciting affirmations is helpful because you're kind of training your brain to believe the words that you're saying and making those words a part of your life and a part of your psyche before you actually believe that they're true. So as a quick recap, you are worthy of self-care and taking care of yourself is one of the best ways that you can honor God, that you can show gratitude to your creator, that you can show that you were created in the image of God and that you do bear his image. Self-care is not selfish. It's actually something that can lead you to be a much better human being and someone who's able to give so much more to the world because you're taking care of what God has given you to take care of. And I was wrapping up, but I just want to interject this real quick. Um, I think that this is another product of like growing up in a Baptist church, but we always heard like, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. And, you know, in my family, it was just a given that your children were sacrificed for ministry. The the calling of God and the ministry was the number one thing. And I mean, I've talked to my parents about this and they regret it. You know, they regret that as kids, it was like, what's important is that we serve God and that we travel all over the world and that, you know, we preach. And if our kids are suffering, if they're hurting, if something's going on with them, like God will fix all that in the end because we're serving him. And I think now there's really kind of a looking back with regret saying, really, our kids needed some help that we weren't giving them. And our kids needed us to focus more on them. And we kind of viewed ministry as the thing when actually God had given you these children you know, they're a gift from God and they're your first responsibility. It's kind of like the people who receive the talents and kind of just buried them in the ground. I sort of view it as like, well, thanks God for these great kids. Now we're going to go do the real ministry of our lives. And I think the same can be said of ourselves. Like when God created you, he gave you a gift, the gift of your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. Like it's, it's your life to live in, in honor of him. And your number one responsibility is to take care of that. If you're neglecting that, shoving that by the wayside and acting like everything else is more important. Well, you know, scripture tells us if you're faithful in the small things, you're going to be given more. Um, but if we can't be faithful with our own selves, like how are we going to be able to be entrusted with other people's bodies and souls and spirits? And I think that that was something that was just kind of missed as a kid growing up, um, especially within the church. It was just like, you know what? Ministry is important. Preaching God's word is important. And if our kids have to suffer to make it happen, that's just like the way of God. And I think that that's just not true. I, I have, you know, seen a lot of people mock that saying that that says like your greatest ministry might not be something you do. It might be someone you raise. 
And I've seen a lot of people mock that. And they're typically people who are doing things to their kids that are going to make them mentally unstable when they're adults. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, They're typically people who, you know, make selfish decisions to do things that, you know, they're not stopping to think like, how's this going to affect my kids in 10 years? You know, what am I doing to them? Like, I know I want to pursue this super exciting dream I have, but my kids in the meantime have to suffer and, and have to travel all over the world and not have any friends and, and deal with mental health issues and deal with feeling like they don't fit in anywhere. And I'm not saying, you know, that you can never do anything that challenges your kids or anything like that. But I am saying that I hate it when people make fun of that saying, because I do think it's important. Like if you have kids and you can't be entrusted to really care what's happening to them and to raise them up as like healthy, functional, loved individuals who can give back to the world, why do you feel like you should be entrusted with something else? Like you're fame or your fortune or you're converting a thousand people to Christ or whatever it is that people are in pursuit of. Um, I think that we have to remember that like God has given us ourselves. It's our gift, our bodies, our souls, our spirits, our minds, and we're important and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we want to be able to do that, we actually have to love ourselves or we're not going to love our neighbors at all. So I didn't want to do like a cheesy, like, this is how you can love yourself in 2022. Here's some self-care, like, go take a bubble bath if you want to. But I just think that just opening the door to your mind a little bit um, and not like cringing when you hear like self-care, because sometimes it's just easier for us to like make fun of it or be like, you know, okay, calm down. I don't need to be selfish and put myself in front of everybody else. I'm not a snowflake that needs a safe space or however we're mocking that these days. But I think it's important to make sure that you're taking care of you first. And then if you want to go out and save the world, more power to you. So that's what I've got. I'd love to hear your thoughts on self-care. I'd also love to hear your thoughts on like um, what your experiences were growing up. If you grew up within the church and whether your church was like pro self-care or if it was more frowned upon uh, the way it kind of was as I was growing up, would love to hear your experiences. And you can share those on the Survivor Sanctuary Podcast Facebook page. You can search for Survivor Sanctuary Podcast Uh, there's a multiple question that you have to answer and it's very easy. So if you don't know what this podcast is about, you're probably going to get the multiple choice question wrong. But if you're listening, you know what it's about. So it's very simple. And if you answer it correctly, I'll let you into the group and then you can share your comments, share your thoughts, share your experiences. If you need support, we're there to give that to you as well. I will catch you back on the next episode. Happy New Year and go take care of yourself. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.